the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sitting me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of That Witch Life Podcast. I am joined today by my fellow co-hosts, Hillary. Hello. And Courtney. Hi, it's me. But who are you? I almost said, and Kanani. Yikes. I had to stop (laughs) because I almost said Hillary and Kanani. And then I went, wait, no. Wait, you're like, no, that's not right. The rest of the world is confusing us, and now you're confusing us too. Kanani, I'm feeling a little weird about that. Well, I'm a little bit elbow deep in my mimosa right now, so I think that's probably not helping. (laughs) Uh, I'm I am I am double fisting it today with my coffee and my mimosa because I am super excited that we are recording our holiday episode. Yay! And Temperance yeah. Alden is here, and she's going to be discussing with us winter solstice magic, along with the return of the world's favorite game, Hallmark movie or horror movie. But first, uh, before we get to that, Hillary's going to talk to us a little bit about frankincense. I was going to ask you guys how you're doing, but I'm going to skip that. Because you don't care. Because I don't care. Because she doesn't give a fuck. Because (laughs) I was going to tell you something that inspired, I I mentioned that I was going to talk about in this episode, the story of La Bafana. And the reason that it came to mind the other day was uh, not because I'm good at podcasting or I pay attention or I do anything or study or anything that I'm supposed to do, but... My son was in class, and he, they did a story about La Bufana, and he comes running in, and he goes, Mom, he goes, I just learned about La Bufana. And I looked at him, and I go, oh, the Christmas witch. And his, his whole face like lit up with shock and awe, and I was so excited because I knew what he was talking about. And... And he got all giddy and excited that I knew what he was talking about. And then he ran off. And at first I was like all warm and fuzzy inside, like, oh, he was proud of me. And then I realized he thinks I'm an idiot. (laughs) Like he was genuinely floored that I had any concept of what he was bringing to me. And that was the reason for the, the awe and appreciation on his face. Not because he's like, my mom's a genius, but because he's like, she knew something. She knew about something that they teach in school. And then I died inside. But then it gave me the idea of, of I, we should talk about La Bafana in the holiday episode. So there you go. I fell in love with La Bafana, and I had not heard of her until a couple of years ago. And then I saw an image, I think it was Laura Tempest Zakroff 
had created some images of her among her holiday artwork. And I'm like, wait a minute. She looks like the Bubba Yaga and she looks like Santa. Who is this and why is she not in my house? And then I found out that she's kind of like the Italian Santa. So it's this grandma character who shows up on Christmas Eve or they're about some, some traditions celebrate the gift giving on different days and leaves presents for the children, Don't but also my cleans the house. Stop telling my story. Well, I thought you were done. <laughs> okay, no, sorry, you ruined Go it. Go ahead, tell the story. Well, no, you can talk about Lava Fauna, but you're not allowed to tell the story. I'm stopping. I'm Crazy stopping. person. This is what happens when you have a smarty pants on the show. I'm pulling back. I'm drinking my coffee. See, here's the difference. I have to read it from a page, and Courtney can recite it from memory. <laughs> I'm just excited the that, there's a, that there's a spirit out there willing to clean my house. That's all. It's true. <laughs> so... The story of La Bifana is actually in uh, correlation with the Feast of the Epiphany, which is celebrated on January 6th with a national holiday in Italy. And uh, the tradition of La Bifana is a big part of Italian Christmas celebrations. Epiphany commemorates the 12th day of Christmas when the three wise men arrived at the manger bearing gifts for the baby Jesus. The traditional Christmas holiday season in Italy lasts all the way through Epiphany. Like children around the world, kids in Italy look forward to the arrival of the red-suited Babbo Natale. Is it Babbo Natale? I don't know. You're the one telling the story. Hey, Marty Pants, <laughs> you're allowed to chime in now. I don't speak Italian. Neither do I. The red-suited Babbo Natale on Christmas Eve. However, this relatively modern tradition pales in comparison to the anticipation generated by the arrival of an old witch in early January. For Italians, La Festa del Epifiana on January. Ah, and it didn't pronounce, so that's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say on a day in January. Just on January. A significant holiday. On January. That's all. Yeah. As significant a holiday as Christmas Day, especially for Italian children. According to the legend, La Bifana, a witch-like woman riding on a broom, refused to join the wise men on their journey to see the baby Jesus. Damn fucking right. Probably she knew better. Guys were smelly back. Guys were smelly guys back Guys were then. smelly, and you know that they were, like, not going to listen to her, and they were going to take the wrong way. They're still smelly. When she they regrets her decision, she sets out to bring gifts to the child, but never finds him. So instead, she leaves gifts for other children. Italian children leave out their shoes or put up stockings for the Bifana to f for the Bifana to fill on January 5th, Epiphany Eve. And the legend continues that every Epiphany Eve, the old, tattered, and soot-covered Bifana flies around the world on a broomstick and comes down chimneys to deliver candy and presents to children who have been good throughout the year. For those who have fallen a bit short of model behavior, La Bifana will leave lumps of coal. Knowing that all kids can't be perfect year-round, some shops in Italy sell carbone or black rock candy oh. that actually looks like pieces of coal. So even those not quite perfect can still enjoy a sweet treat. Unlike today's more well-known Americanized Santa Claus, La Bifana has been an Italian tradition since the 13th century and comes from the Christian legend rather than pop culture. The arrival of La Bifana is celebrated with traditional Italian foods such as panettone, panettone and marks the end of the long and festive holiday season in Italy. In honor of the three wise men, Italians go to church and enjoy spending the day with family. This reminds me of my very favorite 
meme. It's called Three Wise Women. And it said three wise women would have Google mapped directions, arrived on time, cleaned the stable, helped deliver the baby, brought packed, brought practical gifts, made a lasagna, and there would be peace on earth. <laughs> yep. Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was I thought it was funny that they talk about the whole coal thing too, because we were at uh, Fred Meyer the other day, my daughter and I, and I was shopping for something. I don't remember. And, uh, I saw they have, and they do this every year. They make little chocolate pieces that look like coal, coal in a bag. Mm. And it's just little pieces of chocolate. And so I always grab one and I give one to my husband. <laughs> my daughter was horrified. And she's like, why would you give daddy coal? You're like, honey, you don't like, even know. I'm like, Cause he's a You're like, he deserves ass. it. Like I always give daddy coal and she's like, but that's so mean. <laughs> and I, I just, I was like, no, honey, it's not mean. It's actually chocolate. And I end up eating it. So it's all going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but she was just absolutely mortified on behalf of her father, which just shows what a terrible mother I am because they're just like, think that he's the like the prince of the world. And I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> not working out for me. <laughs> not working. I'm the one buying literally all of the presents and yet somehow me buying a cute little chocolate item is, is yet again me being an asshole. Like I cannot win. I think that means I you're doing win. your job perfectly when it's like mom's and mom's mean and dad's fun and kids grow up and they go, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. It's because mom was doing all the work and she was tired. That's why she was always mean. Mom's bitter and angry. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Buy your own damn presents. Get a job. <laughs> I don't care that you're 10. <laughs> Honestly, if you said that to Soleil, say, go get a job, she would. That's what's terrifying is your daughter would go get oh, a job. I have, I have said it numerous times. And she's like, fine, give me a chore to do. And I'm just like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, damn it. That didn't work. She is ridiculously helpful. It's really, I don't know. <laughs> it's annoying. It's hard to bat. It's her annoying. She's so you're the helpful. worst. My daughter is so helpful. It's really annoying. Really she was just like cleaning too much. And she was too helpful in cleaning. It's not cool. Oh my God. It's making me look bad. <laughs> not down. Wor- worst. So since we were able to uh, segue out of a check-in with Courtney, Hillary, why don't you go ahead and quickly talk to us about Frankincense? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we all missed Courtney's Jesus, update. Jesus, God, okay. I, love, I, uh, I always leave here feeling so good about myself and not in therapy at all. You feel all. so good. You feel yeah. so good. You'd feel amazing if you were um, drinking a mimosa right now. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I'm like, should have put a cannabis tincture in my tea. Anyway, so <laughs> a little kick to your matcha. Um, so frankincense. So frankincense is a resin. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's actually... I mean, it has a really rich history, in fact, um, for spiritual use. Um, it comes from the Boswellia tree, um, and is, it's, it's harvested for its resin. Um, the resin has been used, again, in spirit, many spiritual practices. Um, so you've probably, if you've been into uh, any Roman Catholic church, you've probably smelled it if you were there for any ceremony. Um, Again, it's used in many religious ceremonies, and it's used for a couple of things. It can be used as an offering. Um, it's usually burned as an incense. So you usually you put it on a coal, um, a piece of charcoal, uh, to heat it up, and it smokes. Um, 
And yeah, it, it can be it can be used as an offering in a ritual. So it's known for its ritual use. Um, it can be used to purify or to cleanse. Um, and it can also be used to, especially with people that tend to kind of um, float between worlds or work with, uh, you know, like work between worlds. Uh, it's good for protection. It's associated with the sun. And actually, if you've been to our Etsy shop, uh, that is one of the ingredients in our Yule uh, spell kits Yay. for the incense. So it's it has it has a really beautiful smell. It's this kind of... Um, I, I find it to be a really warm smell. Um, I love the use of it. it. I've used it in rituals many, many times. It's it's great for smoke cleansing. And it just brings in, for me, it brings in this really like both uh, both clearing, like so you're kind of clearing out the stagnant energy, but also brings in a really warm energy for me. Um, I love the way, way it makes me feel. And I, and I believe that's probably because of its association with the sun. It kind of makes you feel good, like warm inside or like comforted. Um so I, I often put it in incense blends. I think it's a nice um, addition to the herbs. It also smokes a little bit longer. Um, if, you, if you cannot tolerate smoke, you can leave it as an offering. So if you, are, if you have an offering on your altar for something, you want to offer it to a god or goddess that you're working with, or if you want to, um, if you want to offer it to one of your ancestors, you could leave it on the altar. I think I've also read somewhere that... Um, that you can put it in a tea light uh, and it will kind of like, you know, it'll like permeate into the wax. So that's a good way to get some of the scent out there without, um, without it smoking. Because it does, I will, I will warn people, it does smoke a lot. So a lot, a little bit goes a long way. So if you're using it as an incense, um, those resins, they'll smoke for quite a while. So when you put, you want to put a small amount to begin with on the charcoal disc that you're using uh, that will help make sure that it's not, you know, that you're not setting off all the smoke alarms in your house, <laughs> which I've done with frankincense. Um, so, but yeah, it's a, it's a really great resin. Uh, I, I feel like it has so many practical uses. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, I love the, I love the, the ritual element of, of it as someone who does a lot of ritual. Um, I've used it many times and highly recommend I thought it was. I thought it was a really good addition to the winter souls, winter solstice, and Yule spell kit blend. Because I thought it was fun to have the. There's a couple different resins in that one, and then a couple different herbs. And I thought that the culmination of all the herbs together were really, really beautiful and had like a phenomenal smell to them. So I thought it was. Yeah, they when they're being burned, they smell amazing. So uh, go buy those kits because. Because one, Kanadi put so much work into them and they're beautiful and they look amazing and I love them and the, and the incense smells great. Not to toot my own horn, but it smells really good. Um, so yeah, you know you need it for your, for your Yule solstice Absolute, celebration. Absolutely, yes. And I think it's, um, I don't know, I've, I've enjoyed all the, the different components from the different spell kits from the little kind of goodies Same. we choose. And it was, speaking of Smarty Pants Courtney, while I was putting Jesus. some of them together, <laughs> my daughter comes in and she sees the spell chant that I print out on parchment and then I roll up into little scrolls and my daughter is reading it and she's like, mom, that's really beautiful. Did you write that? And I go, no, I go, no, actually that was Auntie Coco. And she's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know what? Oh my God. <laughs> I almost spit out water. I just took a sip of water when I you said that and it almost soleil. came out my nose. 
I know you do. And she clearly loves you too much. So there's some sort of bonding that has to be broken in this situation. But yeah, that was her response. She's like, mom, that's really beautiful. Did you write that? No, Auntie Coco wrote that. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> what? You know what? Monster. Out of my room. Out of my room. No college for you. <laughs> no college for you. Oh my God. I, you can just go live with Auntie Coco and you can pick up her dog's giant droppings in the backyard. Yeah, that'll be a deal breaker. Well, I'll go with that. From now on, that's what I'm going to say. Every time she's too nice to you, I'm going to be like, you know what? Her dog poops. So take that. So thank you to all of our supporters. We have our full interview with Rachel True available on Patreon, plus the full video of our conversation with Matt Aron, this year's 2020 Patreon pick. Patrons of all levels get access to these things, plus other outstanding content. Higher levels include access to our private Facebook group, special quarterly events, and other TWL goodies sent to you directly if you join at the Kanani Boyfriend, Girlfriend, and Befriend level for $25 a month, not only do you get a special TWL care package, which includes your very own Screaming Goat, but Courtney will also pull a card for you, and she is pulling a card for Maria today. Yes, Maria, thank you for being a Kanani girlfriend. And the card that I got for you is the Knight of Swords, which I think somebody got this one a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. Anyway, the Knight of Swords is back and has a message for Maria, which is, um, it is time to go for it. It is not time to hesitate anymore. I know it's the holidays and this is the time we tend to want to set everything on the back burner, but they're saying there are some things in your life that you need to um, address head on right away. Sometimes the Knight of Swords is about endings and and so it's getting rid of something, but it also can be about going what you going for what you want. Um, you know, I think of every single freaking you know medieval esque um, movie where they're all on horseback with swords drawn, running at each other. That's the kind of energy that um, the universe wants you to embrace right now. So whatever it is, Maria, go for it, and thank you for joining us at the Kanani girlfriend level. Woo! Fabulous. There are other ways you can support the show. If you can't do a monthly donation via Patreon, you can also buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. You can also consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. You can also purchase a shout out to let people know about your virtual event or just to send love to your favorite witch. You can find out more on our, ep- on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And are we ready for a word from our sponsors? We are always ready for a word from our sponsors. With us all staying at home as much as possible and practicing distance learning, now is a good time to take your magical classes online. We are delighted to have Sacred Mists Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences as an episode sponsor. Since 2002, Sacred Mists Academy has offered comprehensive online magical training programs with working witches around the world including first through third degree Wicca training, with an elder program available for initiates of the sacred mist tradition. Other programs include historical paganism, herbalist certifications, spell crafting classes, tarot courses, Reiki training, and more. Online learning is very helpful for moms whose schedules can be incredibly hectic, and it allows you the freedom to learn in your own time. It can also be a great platform to meet other witchy mamas who are excited to learn about the same topics as you. 
Students also have access to the Sacred Mist Circle, a completely private, student-only social media platform, not Facebook, with profile pages, discussion boards, groups, blogs, a searchable book of shadows, videos, music, and more. Other Sacred Mists Academy social groups include witchcrafting, if you're interested in creating your own tools, a divination group to discuss decks and share readings, empath groups to explore this gift and learn about shielding, healing, kitchen witchcraft, and more. Join the Sacred Mists live chats for rituals, sabbats, espits, healing, live divination readings, study halls, and social gatherings for and by students. To enroll, go to sacredmistsacademy.com and enter Witch Life during registration to receive free enrollment, a savings of $30. Monthly tuition then depends on which course or courses you take. Limit one per student available until December 31st, 2020. Manifest the change you want to see in yourself and the world around you through Sacred Mists Academy. Now, we know you're already in love with Sacred Mists because of the Academy. Guess what? Sacred Mists also has a shop offering over a thousand witchcraft tools, supplies, and gifts, including crystals and gemstones, incense and candles, hand-rolled beeswax spell candles, and other spell supplies. This is literally a one-stop shop for witchcraft supplies, y'all. Sacred Mist Shop also offers over 75 plant seeds specifically curated for the witch's garden, including healing and magical herbs, flowers, and plant seeds, just a few of which include belladonna, mandrake, sweetgrass, moonflower, patchouli, elderberry, and mugwort, and many more. Their divination tools include tarot and oracle decks, and a gorgeous natural polish, a black obsidian scrying mirror with ornate antiqued brass stand available in two sizes. Sacred Mist Shop offers everything you need to set up your magical space, including wands, athames, hand-carved gemstone runes, and wooden rune sets, god and goddess statuary, and more. They have some absolutely beautiful, unique goddess statues that you don't see in every store to better make your own ritual space unique to you. There's even a fully stocked chest of witchcraft supplies, which include all the basics, the perfect gift for your favorite witchlet who's just starting out, or just to treat yourself. Come on, you deserve it. Plus, Sacred Mist Shop offers a wide variety of jewelry and books. Purchases at Sacred Mist Shop help support the education and training programs offered at Sacred Mist Academy. To get 10% off your purchase of $35 or more, go to sacredmists.com and use code WITCHLIFE at checkout. Offer available until December 31st, 2020. Sacred Mist Shop, offering unique and handcrafted witchcraft and Wicca supplies to the pagan community since 2002. Thank you to Sacred Mist Shop and Sacred Mist Academy for being an episode sponsor. So I made a huge mistake the other day. We got a box of teas from the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company, and I thought I was being nice by sharing them with Hillary, but now I wish I'd kept the whole thing to myself because y'all... This tea is incredible. It is so good that I told my husband not to make me coffee because I would rather have a cup of Lapsang Shushang tea for myself. I mean, I'm an opera singer who used to live in England. So basically, tea is life in my mind. And let me tell you, these teas are so good. The Burnside Chai really gets me going in the morning and that Aria blend soothes my throat after long days of singing and recording the podcast with this maniac. 
So one of the things I love about the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company is that they are a family-owned business. They were started by proprietor Heather Acosta and her husband Chuck. Everything is hand-blended by their small team in Northeast Portland. Jasmine Pearl's tea blending philosophy is based on using excellent quality ingredients, most of them organic, and building blends around good teas versus using mediocre ingredients and dumping a bunch of flavoring in them. I was always someone who liked tea well enough, but I wouldn't ever call myself a tea drinker, but... Jasmine Pearl Tea Company has totally made me into a tea drinker. I have been waking up to their black teas in the morning, especially when we're doing our super early recordings, and I've been enjoying their herbal teas in the afternoon while I'm trying to edit this thing. Their vanilla rose tea is like silk in a cup. Oh my God, it is so good. To be honest, Kanani and Courtney are probably sick of hearing me talk about these teas, but honestly, there are so many incredible tea options that there really is something there for everyone, including the tea snobs among us like myself. They offer free shipping on orders of $25 or more. Check them out at thejasminepearl.com and let them know you heard Courtney and Hillary gush all about them on That Witch Life podcast. Thank you to the Jasmine Pearl for being an episode sponsor. All right, and we are super excited to introduce today Temperance Alden is the author of Year of the Witch. She's a teacher, folk witch based in South Florida. Temperance began her spiritual journey with family traditions in 2001 and has spent over 19 years of practice devoted to growing and developing her personal path of witchcraft and paganism. In her free time, she is most likely reading too many books and blogging her way through the internet. Welcome, Temperance. Thank you for having me. We are so excited. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. I had the pleasure of reading through your book, uh, which I absolutely loved. Knew it. Called it. I said, uh, Konani, this one is for you. You're going to like it, and I will never see it again, which is why I posted on Instagram, I need to read this now before Kanani takes it from me and doesn't give it back. It's totally true. Kanani has a way of like, if she, if you give her a book that you think she's going to like, she's for sure going to steal it from you <laughs> and you're never going to get it back. It's true. This, this one's a good one to steal. It's, it's portable. It's full of stuff. It's a good one. I think Absolutely. I'm biased. <laughs> yes. I loved it. Um, but I wanted to start with a question that we uh, first ask all of our guests which is, how did you know that you were a witch or a magical person? Um, I like to say it's the trauma. I feel like this, this question comes, like, so many people, like, ask the question, but in different words, and, and the answer's kind of always the same, is that um, I don't think I ever just knew exactly, but what spurred me into knowing was trauma, um, childhood trauma. So I had grown up, like, with my mom. She did a lot of, like... Uh, Irish Catholic folk stuff and then when she passed away I was like oh I'm gonna continue doing it because it makes me feel close to her um and then it was just kind of like a natural evolution from there so I I don't know like at what point the turning point was but um it was definitely like a death that spurred it and me realizing like okay like I'm gonna continue doing these things and they make me feel better and like kind of the ball rolled from there you know that's actually a really interesting and kind of endearing way to have found yourself kind of involved in in the in the craft and whatnot. And I think that's interesting that clearly it's something that even though your mom may not have considered herself a witch, uh, you kind of in some way kind of attribute a lot of this to her, which is really fascinating. 
I do. And, you know, I talk about that throughout my book, but, um, is, you know, I think that she, she would definitely not approve of the word, which, um, just because like she was just the way she was, uh, as an, as an identifier to herself. But I can remember like all growing up, my, my family, like I, my family's from Massachusetts, but I lived in Florida uh, for a lot of it. And, um, whenever I, I go home, like once a year up to mass and it would be like, oh, your mom's into all that new age bullshit. I feel like, okay. Um, so, I mean, aside from like the Catholic shit, she was doing, you know, like tarot and crystals and, you know, the angel numbers and whatever else. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it wouldn't have been a word she would have preferred to use. Like, and, and I feel like I personally don't even prefer to use it. I know I use it, but, um, in, in any setting when I'm with like friends or whatever, I actually prefer to go by practitioner. So I feel like she probably would have fallen into that category of like practitioner instead of which I think that's something that a lot of people have have discussed is that they have difficulty with the fact that um the word witch still kind of has this certain negative connotation to it that society has placed on it and so some you know that's one of the reasons why people don't necessarily embrace the name because they feel like it comes with it kind of a certain level of baggage yeah. Um, and so that, that absolutely makes sense. One of the things that I thought was really interesting in the book is you talk about cycles. Yes. But what was interesting was, and I, it's not something I'd ever really thought about, you know, you talk about the cycle of the year, but you also talk about how life has other cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, life has moon cycles. Life has hormonal cycles. There's all different kinds of rhythms that exist uh, in nature and in the seasons. Yeah. And I thought that was very cool. And you also kind of, you talk about the, the benefit of using your intuition to kind of connect with those different cycles of nature and of life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask, what is it, why do you think that's so helpful for people to kind of use their intuition to kind of join in with those cycles? I think the, and you know, the, the way the book was formatted, I think throws a few people off because they're expecting when they first open it to be just a wheel book and it's not. My, my thought when I structured the book was that you, if you're going to be using your intuition, um, to, make your own wheel, then you need to know how to use your intuition and what that looks like and, you know, kind of how that would go. So the cycles, um, themselves to me came to be with intuition, um, because I'm an animist and I have a very broad view of my spirituality, but I think most witches are animists, whether they realize it or not. And when you, when you step into animism, especially if you, for me, like I have a very Irish Celtic, uh, paganist practice. Um, when you step into animism, it's very easy to connect. It becomes easier to connect to things that are living around you, something that's tangible and things that are tangible are seasons, right? That's like something big that's tangible that like, you don't, you can look outside of your body and see it like, Oh, it's summer now it's winter now. But, um, you can also look up in the sky and you can see the moon. It's that has definite cycles that you can see once a month, but you can also 
tangibly feel your body. And I think that that's for me was a big change to when I first started my journey. Um, I was very hurt and I was like, you know, I'm talking when I was a teenager, I was very hurt. And I was like, if God was real, this wouldn't have happened to me. I don't believe in God anymore. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all those things that like an angsty teenager would say. And or an angsty adult. Cause I'm, st- I still go there periodically. So <laughs> <laughs> Like, definitely. So, you know, I was like, um, like, you know, whatever. So I was really angsty. Um, and I was like, okay, well I was reading, um, at the time I was reading the psychic vampire codex by Michelle Bellinger. And, um, I was trying to like work through that. And I was like, how do I work through this? If I don't believe in anything or don't connect with it, blah, 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 blah. And like that book was very focused on yourself and like energy work and stuff. Um, and, so I really had to like look in and dig deep. And then I, at that point I was like, okay, well the first tangible thing that I can connect to, um, is myself and humans don't like to view themselves as divine, but we all are, we all hold divinity and the spirits around us outside in nature all hold divinity. And so once you start viewing yourself through the lens of something that can be divine, you can connect to it, tap into it and connect to those cycles. And every person has cycles. We all, every single day we wake up, we go to sleep, we eat around certain times. You know, there's certain cycles that we do that are small, that are tangible, that you can hold. And the easier that you can break spirituality down and make it tangible, it makes it more accessible to more people. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with that section was allow it to be really accessible to as many people as possible because maybe they can't connect to seasons, but maybe they can look up and see the moon and connect to that. Maybe they don't connect to the moon. It's just not their thing, but they can connect to their own body. But maybe they don't connect to their own body and they need something else because death is a cycle too. So maybe that's the only thing at the end of all of the cycles. Maybe that's the one that they can recognize and it's tangible to them. Um, but the cycles was really to make it tangible because you can't use your intuition on something that you don't connect to. When With your practice, because I agree, I think that, that using your intuition to kind of, and I think what you said was true is I think also if you find one thing that you can connect to, I think it makes it a lot easier to kind of then connect with others. Mm-hmm. Once you've found that initial connection is there any specific uh, season or or uh, or cycle that you connect with personally? I well, season um, fall, but for no good reason. I'm I'm in Miami. We don't have that, um, but it's definitely like the one that I've connected to the most. Um, the cycle that I connect to the most is probably death, which is why I write about it um, briefly. But I also work with a God who like ferries the death and and is involved in death. So for me, um, cycles that end, any cycle that has an ending and then therefore a new beginning, that's kind of where my comfort is. I don't find, I find that, you know, we all have parts of a cycle that we're comfortable with or that we enjoy or that we like, you know, like summer is like in the middle of the cycles, it's full of life. Um, but I all often find myself very uncomfortable in that cycle. Um, I find myself very comfortable at the end of the cycle. So that's just like my personal preference. That makes sense. And I, I totally see what you're saying because one time when I was in uh, high school, my father decided to take us all on vacation because I was going to be graduating soon and we'd never done a big family vacation and we all went to Hawaii and it was Christmas time. 
And there was nothing more upsetting to me than Santa in board shorts with a surfboard. <laughs> I remember this. You were really, you came home angry. And I was like, <laughs> dad just took I you to Hawaii. Furious. And you're like, shut up. It was terrible. I was furious because it, it doesn't snow every year in Oregon. And it had snowed when oh, I was away. That's right. And it I was forgot. Gone before I was back. <laughs> and I was livid. It was just like, to me, it was just like, I can't. I can't with tan Santa with sunglasses. Tan like, Santa. This is, not, this is not working for me. It just completely freaked oh me out. Why are you out. not come for my Santa? Like, that's the Santa that I have down here. Please do not. Kind of an interesting thing to think about. Because like you said, you know, for me, I'm, I am not down for tan Santa with, with sunglasses and board shorts. But there's other people who, the people who live in Hawaii, like, that's their only and Santa. People like our guests, Kanani. People like our guests have tan Santa. I'm like, why are you such a hater? Like, it's no, okay. I'm saying there's other Santas to be different. Like, the idea of Santa in a in a big hat and gloves and boots and a big snowsuit would look absolutely ridiculous because they're like, why would he be dressed like that? Like, it just doesn't. They would have no ability to relate to that because that's that's not at all their climate. So I think that's interesting when you kind of think about how. You know, not only are there seasonal cycles, but the weather is so impactful on how people experience those seasonal cycles. I mean, watch out, Santas of the world. Kanani's coming for you. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's a, it's a, that's a big part of my book is I, I've probably spent a fourth of the book talking about climate and how to work yeah. with climate. Um, because to me, that was, that was the most relevant part of writing the book. That was the purpose for the whole book. The whole, the purpose of the book wasn't to, you know, create templates for you to fill in and, uh, make a wheel, which some Amazon reviewer said. Um, but <laughs> the purpose of the book was that if you are in Hawaii with your tan Santa, how are you connecting to holidays that are supposed to be in England? How are you doing that? Are you doing that? And would it be okay if you chose not to? And that's yep. such a, a, an important point. When I was living in New York, I had a governor who spent Christmas in California and in, in many Wiccan traditions, they have the myth of the Oak King and the Holly King, um, which, you know, they have their battles at summer solstice and winter solstice. And she went to the beach in California and tried to invoke the Oak and Holly Kings. And she said she just felt like it wasn't right and that they didn't show up. And my response was, well, you're on the coast of California. Oak and Holly doesn't grow there. Right, yeah. so you might want to think right. about you might think about juniper or think about other, and I, maybe juniper doesn't grow on the coast of California. I'm just thinking of trees I know that do grow out there. Um, think of the local trees that are out there, ponderosa pines, those kinds of things, and mm -hmm. where they are in their cycles. You know, um, I think if ever I started doing public Yule rituals here in Oregon, I'd say let's bring in the king of the dark rain and the king of the light rain because our seasons, we don't have that dramatic shift where the leaves fall off the trees. In my neighborhood, we have a lot of deciduous trees planted, but our forests are all conifers, so it just stays green. But there yeah. is a change in the way the rains come in. Like in the fall, it's kind of a light gray and then come like January, it's a dark gray and it will be until springtime. Kind of going into the season we are in now, uh, what are some, or I guess, do you have any specific uh, celebrations or customs or traditions that you do on Yule or for Yule? I do. Um, interestingly enough, and I, I don't talk about it in my book, and the only people are going to know is, is you guys and your listeners. Um, 
they so won't I tell actually, anyone. They are very, 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 very respectful of keeping things secret. I don't know what else. Super secret. Super yeah, secret. Just, just between secret. us and our three thousand listeners. Okay. Just, yeah, just between us and three thousand people. Um, is I actually I gave birth on the solstice um, a number of years ago. Uh, that's the day I became a mother. So I do a lot of work with that around that time of the year. Um, just you know, with with life changes, right? That's another cycle that changes. You transition um, maiden mother crone, right? So that's the day that I mark a transition for me in my own personal cycles. And I work heavily with that energy. It's one of the only days of the year when I really do. Um, Also, I, you know, celebrate a birthday and we celebrate life and we celebrate death um, because death needs to be celebrated and people are afraid of it. And I don't think that's something that has to be made afraid of. So that is kind of what I do. Although for normal people that didn't have the uh, experience of having a child on, on a solstice day, um, we often make tons and tons and tons and tons of cookies. We make things um, to celebrate life. So we bake all day long. And I, you know, yesterday someone was in one of my discord servers, like, um, I hate the taste of Yule cakes, but like, I want one like a Yule log, you know, I was like, literally Yule logs are just Swiss rolls. Like go to the store and buy little Debbie's Swiss rolls, stick a candle in it. Like you're done. Um, so, I mean, I think baking is like That's a actually so thing. true. And that would be so easy to get a bunch of little Swiss rolls and candles and then kids could decorate them. Literally just get birthday candles and Swiss rolls and, and they're edible. Like, a little, okay, I understand the whole thing. Like, I think that Yule log cakes tend to taste bad as well. I feel like I don't think people try to make them bad. I just don't appreciate the flavor. It's like and, a fruit cake. It's like... it's not it's they don't mean to do harm but they just suck they just suck but you know what doesn't suck a swiss roll they don't suck that's right they do not suck it's totally true and neither do birthday candles so i'm i'm down for this i think i might be i might be doing this with my kids this year because i think that is just an absolutely fun adorable little idea Right? Like, I just, it came out of nowhere. It was just given to me. And I was like, yes, this is right. I'm typing it. And I, but this is right. I'm right about this. Yet another excuse to buy Swiss rolls. <laughs> another excuse. If you needed one. I was like, I was right? like, as if, you, need if you needed one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've got a question for temperance. I agree with you. I feel that this, I feel like this quarter between Sawin and I would even say the new year because I feel like the magic kind of grows after um, the Christmas holiday and winter solstice. This is just such a magically potent time of year. Are there specific um, spells that you like to cast this time of year or certain kinds of magic that you especially like in this time of year? I do. So this is the time of year for me when I start working with um, my spirits, I guess. So, um, Samhain is really a reverent time for me, uh, to work with my ancestors. Like, and when I say work with, it's usually just being like, Hey, didn't forget about you. Thanks. Um, but I also fall into, um, thanks American Thanksgiving. Um, fortunately happens to be within those, within that, uh, 
there's like a three month time period there, you know? So we, we get Samhain and then we get American Thanksgiving and we get, um, Yule. So anytime you have a large number of people putting intention into something, you can, you know, they create a thought form about it. And so Thanksgiving has its own energy, has its own thing that you can work with. And I know a lot of people like don't ascribe anything to Thanksgiving and they're like, Oh, this is a holiday that, you know, marked a lot of death and like whatever, or it's not real or there's a whole lot of things. There's a whole lot of, um, political issues with Thanksgiving. However, I find that that's a day where I like to give thanks to land spirits that I work with. Um, the, the word Thanksgiving just means to give thanks and it's a deeply spiritual word and it doesn't originate with the American holiday. And even the first Thanksgivings that were celebrated by colonists in America were not giving thanks to the, the, that one bountiful harvest that we now recognize. Um, they were Puritans and they were doing Thanksgivings for lots of other reasons. And then they happened to have one. Um, and then the first declared Thanksgiving by a president, George Washington declared it. Um, I believe it was Thanksgiving for the constitution. So the holiday itself has like a really messy history that revisionists kind of just skip over. Um, revisionists being white people who have written about it in, in textbooks. So for me, that's a day where a lot of people are like, you know, giving thanks, but it's easy to tap into that energy. Um, and I work with land spirits really heavily. So I, I garden or I'll, you know, do compost or I'll go pick up trash somewhere or I'll just do something to like be thankful for the land that I'm currently living on. Um, and then I come into Yule and Yule season is a combination of both ancestors, land spirits, but then I introduce, um, gods and goddesses like divinity. Um, and that's a time when I specifically work with them. So I kind of break up the three, um, acknowledging those and working with those different energies, but I work with them in phases. So like I'll specifically work, you know, with ancestors at so, and I'll specifically work with land spirits around the end of November. I'll specifically work with like deities towards the end of December. That's how I break those up. And then, um, kind of remarry them into my practice again before the end of Yule. That's very cool. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting in your book, and I actually, I had heard of this before, and with my love of crafting and decorating and holidays, I don't know how this isn't something that I have already completely encompassed in my own life and practice. But can you describe to our listeners the tradition of witch balls and their purpose? Sure. So witch balls, I love. Um, and I'm actually going to read a quote out of here because my favorite description of witch balls was actually Gemma Gary's. She wrote it in traditional witchcraft. Um, and she described them as huge reflective mirrored glass baubles filled with protective herbs hung in a window. There are two modes of thought as to how these work. Some say they work to deflect or repel a curse or evil spirits that try to enter the home, while others say that evil spirits are attracted by the bright reflective surface and remain there until they are destroyed by the light of the morning sun or are wiped out of the window with any dust. So um, essentially witch balls, there's, there's two main witch ball types. Um, there are these big glass, they're beautiful. They look like blown glass, you know, with like all the beads and the colors. Um, there are these beautiful big blown glass balls that you can hang or put in your garden. Um, 
and those ones you can't really fill with herbs because they're blown glass. They just they are just an orb that would hold a spirit, I guess. Um, and then there is this other kind that has become really popular um, over the past however many years, which is basically like you can take and it's the perfect time of year because Michael's is full of this shit. You go to Michael's and you buy those packs of clear plastic or glass ornaments and eight thousand per dollar yes so yeah you just get those wherever you're getting them and um and you fill them with herbs and petitions or whatever else um and then you hang it in the windowsill so there's a few ways that 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 this can be worked with um a traditional witch ball is protective that's what it does that's its purpose however you don't have to be traditional. You can do whatever the fuck you want, right? You can do whatever you want. So if you see this witch ball and you're like, oh, okay, I really want to make one of these, but I want to have a petition in there for um, financial success in the next year, then you would make a witch ball specifically for prosperity. You would put your petition in there and you would hang it in your window until the end of the season. For me, it would be until the end of the season for someone else. It just may be like when they feel it's right to take it down. Um, but good herbs to put in witch balls, no matter what. Well, I'm just going to say no matter what, because I'm going to go with like a house one. Um, I, often put cascaria in mine. Um, bay leaves are good. I have a bunch. So palm trees are actually like palm fronds. Some of them are really, really pokey and like they can like actually puncture your car tires. Um, I'll cut off bits of those thorns and put them in there. Um, hay, glitter. I'm a big fan of glitter. So those will go in witch balls for me. Uh, juniper, trying to think what else I've put in them like recently. I made some this year and they were mainly just like I was doing prosperity ones. So I was using a lot of McCormick Italian seasoning. If I'm being honest. Nice. Nice. Do you, when you do your, when you do your little petitions in there, do you usually just kind of, do you write them down on, on some of the, like on a bay leaf or do you usually write them on a little slip of paper or how do you usually do that? I do it like a fortune cookie. I do it on a little slip of paper and then I roll them up and I'll tie them with like a little thread, like sewing thread just to keep them like as a little scroll and I'll put it in there, like bury it in with all the herbs and stuff. That's how I personally do it. That's a little extra. I think that's such a fun tradition idea and something I'm going to be doing with the kids this year. And I, I love the idea of, you know, kind of like you said, it does doing it for protection is, is awesome, but you can do it for anything. And so maybe there's just something that you really want to bring in this year and you really want, you know, and you can make one of these and hang it in your window. I mean, I just think that's such a fun, that's such a cool idea and something that is, what do you usually do with them? Like when the season's over, do you usually empty them out and bury them or what do you usually do with the contents? It depends on. So if you're using, if you're using a witch ball for anything other than the purpose of a, of protection, um, 
the ball actually falls more into the world of a spell jar. So you would handle it the same way you would handle a spell jar. At the end of its life cycle, you're going to handle it the exact same way. So if you're going to bury it, you're going to bury it. If you're going to throw it out, you're going to throw it out. If you're going to leave it at a crossroad, you're going to leave it at a crossroad. But at the intersection of where you cross that boundary of this isn't just for protection for the home. And when you're actually making petitions and you're using it for active spell work, even passive spell work, really. Um, but at the point it, it crosses that threshold of protection to spell work, you will be treating it the exact same way you would treat a spell jar. I think that's interesting. I think that that makes a lot of sense because like you said, you're just kind of, you're doing a spell jar in essence. You're just using a, a witch ball as the vessel as opposed to, you know, some sort of a jar or some sort of other container. Yeah. Um, you're not trying to trap us. Like you're not trying to trap an, uh, like the evil eye or an evil spirit in the jar. You're, you're trapping, you're bringing to you whatever it is that you're, you're drawing. So if you're like, unlike a spell jar, um, where it contains it, a witch ball is drawing it. So a witch ball for prosperity makes sense because you're hanging it in the window to draw in prosperity. You're trapping the prosperity in the ball. You know what I mean? I yes. I love this so much because, like, I mean, first of all, I love doing spell jars. So, like, but I also love visual things. Like, I mean, I like, for me, uh, I like to be able to see the thing that I am trying to manifest, like, regularly. And obviously, like, not that I don't look at my altar every day. Well, most days. <laughs> so, like, but, you know, it's, like, to have that be in the window, it's, like, what you see when you come in. It's what's, like, right there. I love that idea both from a like visual level and, and a, and a manifestation level, because I think again, it's like you're seeing that intention that you've created every single time you walk up to your house or -hmm. every single time you walk into the kitchen or wherever you're hanging it, you know? And I, like, I just, I love that. I mean, I'm like, now I'm like really excited to do these. (laughs) Yeah. It just sounds beautiful. I mean, it sounds so beautiful. I think it's a really fun idea. And like an easy, like an like an easy thing to do, right? Because I mean, we we talk about this a lot. Where you know, a lot of the herbs that I use are herbs that I can get in the grocery store, right? That you know, obviously, like there, I have some herb shops here that I go to for ones that are a little harder to source. But there are a lot of good things that you can utilize that are very easy to access, even if you're in an area that, um, you know, that that doesn't have you know my either like a a really hardy herb store or like a metaphysical shop. And so the cool thing is, is like one, you can pull from the natural environment around you, which I always tell people is a good way to go because they're they're, like, it's using what is part of your uh, environment, essentially like what is native to where you are. But Mm -hmm. also like a lot of these herbs, yeah, like I use rosemary a lot and it's something that you can get in the supermarket. So I love the idea of having something that people can do that like they can go get these things at Michael's. They're not going to have to like go find some expensive jar that's right or be able to do it in this right way. Like I love that you can just, it's something that's like easy to do, really powerful, really beautiful that, um, that yeah, you get to see. I'm like, now I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do and I know what it's going to look like. (laughs) Yeah. Super excited. I like, I just like making things accessible. So same. That's been my whole thing. Like I've been, I spent like two months talking about this McCormick coven as a joke on the internet, but it's really not a joke. It's like I, most of the herbs I use, I source from my supermarket because that's where it's affordable. If I'm not growing it myself, it's probably coming from the spice, spice aisle of the supermarket. Like that's it. Yeah. And I think, I think the nice thing about, 
uh, practitioners that are out there that are writing books or doing podcasts or you know doing YouTube, when they do when when what they're presenting is accessible, like super accessible to others, because I know like sometimes I mean, and I certainly had this experience early on where it's like people are like, oh, you have to use this herb, and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Like, what is that? You know, I don't know what that is, or where to find it, or like, is it going to be expensive? And and I think you know, it's easy to fall into the like, oh, well, you have to have all these like expensive items in order for your magic to be powerful, and it's just not true. You know, so it's like, so I love that. I mean, we we always feel that way. Like, you know, these are things that you can either order online very easily, or you can literally go to your grocery store and be like, oh yeah, cool. You know, some rosemary. Oh, like the McCormick's mix. Oh, the, you know, like, oh, I love using basil, you know, like, oh, great basil. You know, I love using thyme, great thyme, mint, all of it. You know, it's like stuff that is, um, that, you know, that is easy to access for people is I think super important because it allows people to, not have another hurdle or barrier that they have to get over in order for them to integrate something into their practice. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to uh, have us talk about was we actually got a interesting listener question for this time of year. And they wrote, the pandemic has changed our family income pretty significantly with our Etsy store, luckily being able to pay a lot of our bills. Yay. Since Mercury went retrograde, I've had some unpleasant reviews, and it's worrying me, even though the issues have mainly come from things outside my control. For example, they didn't read the size of the item and were upset if it wasn't what they expected, or they are upset about the ship time when our listings state that everything is made to order and takes two weeks. Is there a spell to help bring joy or at least satisfaction to our customers when they get their order? Or is that messing with people's free will to be rude if they want to? We work really hard to customize things on request, and it's frustrating to get bad reviews for things we would have happily adjusted if we had been asked first. I'm trying also to work on not taking these criticisms personally, but it's hard when it's something that took hours and hard work to create. I'm going to need to bite my tongue so I don't lash out at the reviewers who were so mean to our listener. And I just love this listener so much because they're like, is it, is it interfering with their free will to do something rude? Because this person is so much nicer than the three of us. So much nicer. <laughs> we are so mean. I'm like, wow, we are terrible because fuck that reviewer. Anyway, I'm going to sit it back and let y'all answer first and I'll jump in. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just jump in for it then. I, I don't think, I think, you know, free will is like a gray moral territory. However, I don't think that it encroaches on someone's free will to bless your product. Um, and I think, it, in most regards, like, you know, people, people pray over things all the time. Like Christians literally will just say like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for this. They don't ask to do it. They just do it. They just pray for you to be happy for you to be healthy. Like that's just, it's, it's a good blessing. So it's a gray area of like, do you morally think that you can or can't? But like, I think like temperance thinks, yeah, you can for sure just like, you know, bless your product so that people are, happy or they're healthy or whatever else. Um, and if you feel weird about it, then just disclose it on your listing. Like all products will come blessed. Like all products are going to come blessed, whether, you know, so if they order from you, they know. Um, but I don't think that it does. I think the reviewer, honestly, I think it's the reviewer is being fucking assholes and having an Etsy myself. Like if I get a really weird 
bad review, I normally just like either respond to it and say like, you didn't read the listing or I'll reach out to them and be like, you didn't read the listing. Um, because I also have the same issues. Like, you know, if I state ship time is going to be certain, a certain amount, then that's what it is. Period. It's not going to be more or less. So, um, I don't know. Fuck that person. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, using, utilizing whatever magic or spell, uh, might be helpful to either, you know, like to either have your product seen more favorably or perhaps, you know, like bringing joy into it. I mean, again, I don't think that's messing. I don't think that's like harming anyone. Like, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure the thing is, is like, if they're not rude on your listing, they're going to be rude on someone else's because people that people that go into these, like, here's the thing. When people leave reviews that are like, they clearly didn't read, they, whatever, they're just, it's like they're lashing out. And, you know, these are things that probably if they, they would never write you individually, probably they would never say to your face. But, like, because there's this, like, anonymity of being behind a keyboard and, like, people can just write it. People are snarky as fuck. And, like, honestly, there's nothing wrong with you doing what you need to do to protect yourself and your product. That's not going to harm anyone. Um, and so, yeah, I'm all, I mean, like, fuck the haters. Like, you know, like, they can, like, you, I wouldn't worry about them at all. Yeah, and you're not like casting spells on these people to change their way of being, which I also don't think is morally wrong. I think it's a waste of time because when you try to change someone's nature, they want, they need to want to change their nature, and most people don't. So uh, you're not doing anything wrong to them. What I would recommend is getting, um, is, is a sweetening spell. A lot of these things come out of hoodoo. So getting a jar of sugar or a jar of honey and put an effigy of your business, maybe it's your business logo. Um, also some of your own personal curios, a little of your hair, some fingernail clippings, or even a photo of yourself to draw sweetness and money to you. So other things you can put in there include like coins. Um, I, I like using tarot cards. So tarot cards that represent money, like the 10 of pentacles, the queen of pentacles, things that are telling the spirits what you want. So you're drawing customers that love you. There is nothing wrong with that. So no, you're not doing anything wrong by attracting, you're not preventing anyone from being rude if they want to. And even, so why should they be rude to you? You don't deserve that, right? You just yeah. do your business. There is nothing wrong with doing spells to dispel rude people from you. You don't, you don't exist to hold people's rudeness. All right. No, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, we talk about people's free will and, and, and whatnot. And, and of course, you know, yes, everyone has free will, but one of the things I love to remind people is no one has freedom from consequence. Yep. So yeah, you can be a dick and yeah, you can spout off and you can say whatever you want but you know what? You might get fired and it's not taking away your free will or someone doesn't want to be your friend anymore. It's not taking away your free will. You have the right to do it, but you don't have freedom from consequence. Yep. So there is, there is still a mindfulness that has to come with our actions and, and kind of like was pointed out, most of these people would not speak this way to someone else in person. I would, but that's because I'm a butt. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> so. but you are. I was going to say, I was like, well, that's not what you should measure against. But even so, you can bet that when I do do those things, I am very mindful and I am willing to accept the consequence of whatever it is that I'm spouting off about. And I think the problem is, is too many people think that they just have the right to just do what they want to do. 
and then get shocked when when there's some sort of an outcome that comes from that or there's a consequence. You are absolutely within your right to offer a reaction because to say that someone is allowed to to put something out into the world and no reaction is just not realistic. That's that's not realistic to how energy exchange works. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that's one of those things that nothing pisses me off more than when people think that they can just, you know, pop off and do whatever they want to do and then they get they get pissed when there's a consequence to it. And and that's the reality of life is is you can do what you want to do, you can be who you want to be, but there will be consequences. If you're an whether angle. that be yeah, or if you're, or frankly, if you're a good person, right? There's positive consequences. So for everything you put out there, there will be a reaction and there will be a consequence. And so be ready for it, whatever, whatever that is, whether it's good consequences or negative consequences, it's, there will be a reaction to what you put out into the world. Boom. Boom. All right, we solved all the world's problems. Can we play this the game now, Kanani? Can we play the game yeah, now? Yeah, it's time for the game. It's time for the game. Yes, it's time for the game. Jeez. Okay. So, um, can I explain or am I being a smarty pants if I explain? No, you have to explain oh the temperance of the game. Is. Okay. So, the game is called Hallmark or Horror Movie because I realized last year that if you just describe the basic plot line of your average Hallmark movie or your average horror movie, it's kind of hard to tell the difference. So, we played this last year with Jason Mankey and it was super fun. And so, now we're going to play it. And the three of you are competing for a very on theme Santa Christmas ornament. Now, it's not tan Santa. It's 2020 pandemic Santa. Santa is wearing a medical mask and his sack is full of cleaning supplies and toilet paper. <laughs> That's like my husband's dream Santa. <laughs> well, you better win this one. Yeah, then you better don't fuck it up. All right. So when I, I'm going to describe the plot line from a few different movies, and all of these movies came out in 2020. Some of them are horror movies. Some of them are Hallmark movies. And you three each have to guess, is it Hallmark or horror? And Temperance, I know you said that you, you don't see a lot of movies. Most people haven't seen these movies, so it's fine. They're all kind of fringy and very much C-list. <laughs> so it's all good. All right. Great, ready? I, yeah. Okay. Ready. The first one. A woman tra traverses a frozen tundra seeking a rare plant only to become trapped in a remote, isolated community and whose mind has become controlled by a local force. Hallmark or horror movie? Hallmark. Horror. Hallmark. Okay, so Kanani says Hallmark? Hallmark. Hillary? I think we all said Hallmark. Oh, you I all said Hallmark. Hallmark. Oh, she said horror. Okay. okay. It is actually a Hallmark movie. It's called Jingle Bell Bride. When wedding planner Jessica Perez travels to a remote town in Alaska to find a rare flower for a celebrity client and is charmed by a small town during Christmas, as well as the handsome local helping her. Okay. Sounds like Kanani's kind of movie. All right. Totally my jam. It is. Okay. A young woman offers refuge to a strange pair in the midst of a blizzard, only to discover they harbor dark secrets, invoking the need to recreate ancient rituals with unknown results and the revelation of even more secrets. Hallmark or horror? I hate you. <laughs> horror. I'm going with horror again. I'm going to go Hallmark. I'm going Hallmark. 
All right, Kanani won that one. That's a Hallmark movie. Boom. It's called One Royal Holiday. When Anna offers a stranded mother and son shelter in a blizzard, she learns they are the royal family of Galwick. Of course. Anna shows the prince how they do Christmas and how to open his heart and be true to himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying it sounds like a bad romance novel. It's so bad. It's so good. It's That's so what bad. All the movies are based off of that. It really, it really, really. A modern day woman finds herself in a landscape of the past and must find her way out before it's too late. I'm going to say horror. I'm just going to go with horror. I'm three for three, so I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go Hallmark. All right, it is a horror movie. This is Antebellum starring Janelle Monet, in which a modern-day African-American woman finds herself on a southern slave plantation and must escape. So actually, I think a lot of people saw that one. So that's not, that's not one of the C-list movies. But yeah, it actually sounds pretty terrifying. Okay, so mm, all right, Kanani is in the lead. So Temperance and Hillary, step it up. Okay, next one. A pair of enemy game designers are forced to create and then embark upon an urban hunt complete with wild beasts and strange phantoms. What the fuck? I'm going with Hallmark. I'm going with Hallmark. Hillary? I'm going with horror. It is a Hallmark movie. Kanani, Temperance, well done. It is called On the Twelfth Day of Christmas. Two seemingly incompatible game designers team up to create a romantic citywide scavenger hunt themed for the 12 days of Christmas. Get it? Wild beasts and strange phantoms? Ha! Ha, 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 You're not well. <laughs> <laughs> it works well for the game, though, so I'm not complaining. It does work well for the game. Okay, all right, next one. Two years after escaping a strange cult, a teenage boy must face memories of the past over one night, addressing untold things, both old and new. Hallmark or horror? Oh, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> I'm going to say Hallmark. I'm also saying Hallmark. That sounds like Scroogey. I'm going to go with horror. I've already lost, so whatever. Hillary got it right this time. It is a horror movie. It's called The Babysitter Killer Queen. <laughs> oh, my God. Two years after a satanic cult led by his former babysitter tried to kill him, Cole is now a junior in high school, but must again fight to ensure his survival over one night as he is hunting by demonic enemies, both old and new. Right? <laughs> All right. So Kanani is in the lead with four. I'm four out of five. You are four out of five. Hillary's got two. Temperance has two. All right. We've got two more questions. All right. Let's see if these guys can catch up. Okay, two children traverse an enchanted forest in order to find work and food and stumble upon the home of a strange, magical woman. Hallmark or horror movie? Hallmark. Hallmark. God. Um, I'm just going to say horror. Temperance is right. It is a horror movie. It is <laughs> Gretel and Hansel based on Hansel and Gretel, which is the story of a witch minding her own fucking business who must contend with two snot-nosed brats who try to eat her house. Oh, my God. Not I have cool. a lot of compassion for her. Okay. Cool. Last question. We may have to go into a tiebreaker round. All right. A woman finds a strange man in her home where they must overcome an impending night of darkness, vice, and other strange phenomena. Is it a Hallmark or a horror movie? Hallmark. Is that a marriage? <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> is, this, is, this a, is there a third option? <laughs> no, Kanani. Hallmark or horror movie? 
I'm doing horror. Tamara says horror. <sighs> Kanani? I'm going to say... I'm going to say horror as well. No, it is a Hallmark movie. Damn it! (laughs) It is called Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater. Single mom Maggie is facing Christmas alone until Lucas crashes into her life and becomes an unexpected house guest. Together they overcome Christmas while finding comfort in their growing bond. Gross. (laughs) But Kanani still won the game. Yay. Yay. Nice job. Yay. Well done. You get the Christmas ornament. Thanks for playing guys. This is fun. It's my favorite game. I look forward to it all year. Oh my God. It is. It is hilarious that some of the Hallmark movies, when you break them down, pretty much sound like horror movies. They really yeah. do. Really, really do. <laughs> I played with, with my husband and he did not win the game. So, and he's a horror movie guy. So um, it just goes to show either Hallmark is actually creepy or I'm just really clever. I think it's kind of both. It's both. Yeah. It's it's both. <laughs> you ever see them? Like you see those movies, there's no life behind the actor's eyes. They know. They know what they're doing. <laughs> it's very, they're it's so zombies. true. They're like, this is buying my new car. That's what this oh is Oh my doing. God. Oh my God. <laughs> I my mom him. wants me to write a Hallmark movie so badly. I'm like, mom, I w- it would just end in a bloodbath. I just don't think I could do it. There would be a zombie apocalypse, and they would all get their heads eaten. Actually, I think I'm going to do that now. I'm going to make a note. Okay. That would be so fun. I mean, we have Pride, <laughs> Prejudice, and Zombies. Why not? Uh, right now, let's have Hallmark and Zombies. I'm in. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm making notes as I speak. I love this. Well, thank you, Temperance, so much for joining us. This was so much fun. I loved your book. Um, I loved, you know, reading it and, and kind of getting some of your insights about it and just thank you. And it's called year of the witch and it's from wiser, right? Yes. Year of the witch from wiser. It is out. It is fabulous. I definitely recommend people pick this book up. It's super helpful. It, it talks about, you know, using your intuition to connect with nature seasons and the different cycles and kind of different, uh, little tidbits about the seasons and the holidays and how you can connect with them. It's absolutely phenomenal. And Temperance, how can people find you? Um, I am pretty much everywhere that can be found. Um, I'm on Instagram and TikTok as wildwoman underscore witchcraft. I'm on Twitter as Temperance Alden. I'm on YouTube as wildwoman witchcraft or Temperance Alden. I think you can find me under both. Um, I'm on Pathios, Wild Woman Witchcraft. So pretty much anywhere that you could want to find me, if you wanted to find me, you are more than welcome to join me um, and follow along with the nonsense on there. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, uh, we want to thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Please also consider leaving us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, you can go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone! have dreams that's that's what i want
So your dream is Starbucks in your house. In my house, like Tommy Lee. You mean, you, but you'd have to have baristas talking to you all day. Like no, they're not allowed to talk. <laughs> no, no eye contact either. I'm going to be one of those. <laughs> no eye contact. And they just have it written down because they drink the same damn thing. So when I just walk by, I just want something. I just want a hand to come out and hand it to me. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is don't talk to me. Give me coffee the way that I want it and then go away. <laughs> I'm, I wrote a new hit ever. single. You it's called Kanani, the Kanani. Oh, my God. The Kanani Christmas album. We know what we're going to do for next year. Oh, my God. That's so good. Oh, my God. <laughs>